Alberta Prosperity Project is dedicated to protecting Alberta's world-class energy sector and has invited Alex Epstein, American author of the best-selling new book, Fossil Future, to speak on the importance of fossil fuels and the vital role they play in our economy. Join us on Friday, October 28th at the Weston Calgary Airport for Beef and Beer with Alex Epstein. You will not want to miss this. Buy your tickets at www.albertaprosperityevents.com today. everyone welcome back to our evening live stream here in ottawa i'm joined by alex salavois who is joining us online i'm joined with right-wing extremist tom Morazzo wearing the worst outfit i've ever seen him wear during a live stream tom first of all how are you doing but also why are you wearing such an outfit uh i'm actually doing pretty good no the the tie is a joke because uh i i wore a tie on julie panessi's uh podcast recently and so william was always asking mm-hmm. me well, why aren't you dressing up for me so in honor of you and your fashion sense uh i had to wear a tie exactly you know when you're doing news you've got to dress well you've got to dress appropriately and that's the way this yeah. uh right-wing extremist yes. is dressing today alexa how are you doing I'm pretty good. That was a really interesting day. And we heard a lot, a lot about Tom Marazzo today. It was just mm. all about you. <laughs> yeah, it was Tom, Tom Marazzo. They've definitely got a bigger head now. Uh, just before we begin analyzing everything, once again, if you want to make sure to, um, you know, stay tuned with everything that's happening during the commission, you can always go to Trucker commission.com during the day and also if you want to chat with us during the live stream you can uh, go on to rumble and you can send paid chats that we will be able to read on air so uh tom we've got a lot of things to go through same thing uh, alexa uh what were your general thoughts from today uh really interesting a little bit Mm -hmm. surreal to be perfectly honest uh listening to some of the testimony especially later in the afternoon Mm -hmm. and uh you know, we, one thing we learned is the the order that um, myself and some of the others will be testifying next week. Mm-hmm. I believe Chris Barber and I are next Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Uh, Keith Wilson's going to be testifying, Tamara and, and some of the others. Um, but watching was pretty interesting mm-hmm. today, I have to admit. No, 100%. There, there are definitely shocking things that we saw take place. One of, the, one of the first things that I want to talk about was one of the clips that uh, Bath, showed mm-hmm. during her cross-examination of i believe the first witness um you know that's once again that's what happens when you last live tweet all day you forget the name of the witnesses i believe it was bernie so when cross-examining bernie bath one of the lawyers for freedom Con- uh freedom convoy and i apologize for not using her last name i just can't seem to remember Va- vandenberg, vandenberg right so <laughs> bath vandenberg one of the great lawyers from the, for the freedom convoy showed one shocking clip um to the crowd to bernie during his testimony are we able to show it on the screen all right so i guess we'll show it later but just before we just before we watch the clip we'll be able to see it in a second but how were you feeling in the crowd i know i saw some people in the crowd shed tears Mm. while this video was shown how are you feeling sitting there and seeing what's happening 
Well, it's truthfully, it's really hard. Uh, I know myself and many of the others, we do struggle watching a lot of the, uh, the footage at times. It's really hard to be there and, and actually see that. And I know, you know, even as an example, uh, your documentary that uh, Rebel put out about Coots and I know um, the other guys mm-hmm. that did tr- Trucking for Freedom, mm-hmm. like watching the documentaries are really difficult to, yeah. uh, to well, watch. Well, we can, we can actually see the, the, the clip right here. Let's take a look at the full clip, including uh, Vanderberg. All right, so do you agree that the OPS officer in this video in the back behind the ranks, the line is using what is actually the muzzle and not the butt of what looks like a 40 millimeter chemical munition? launched to beat a protester with? Not enough for me to see what exactly is going on. But you can see that there is a police officer in the back beating a protester with a rifle. There is not enough for me to see what is actually happening behind bodies. We continue bodies. playing the video, please. And, and the, sec- a- the second part of the video is even worse because you can't even see further what was happening. Mm-hmm. And for me, the reaction of Superintendent Bernie to this clip was absolutely shameful. The, the, the guy wasn't shoveling snow. The police officer, officer was not shoveling snow. He wasn't dancing. He was beating up the protester. So yeah. like, do you want to continue your thoughts on well, I had recently seen that. I've seen that video several times. And what was interesting to me is until recently, somebody slowed it down and, and you realized it wasn't the 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 butt of the rifle. The yeah, it was, it was yeah, actually right. turned down. It was the barrel. It's super dangerous. You know, it's, it's incredibly uh, an aggressive move. I mean, mm-hmm. I'd hate to be on the receiving end of either end, but definitely mm-hmm. I don't wouldn't want to be hit uh with the 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 barrel of a rifle for like peacefully protesting for peacefully protesting I, I just i don't know how you can justify that level of violence against a uh, a protester mm-hmm. um I just don't understand how you can get to that point or shooting, you know, reporters in the thigh with mm-hmm. a, a ballistic projectile yeah. when they're clearly indicated that they're media. Yeah. Well, that, that, that brings me on to my next point, and, Alexa, you know, you, you also yeah. had an experience similar to that. You want to t- touch on that? Nobody's uh, it was as well. Like what um, I think it's Bernie uh, saying that after that day, they rise their protection because of their aggressive, of mm-hmm. the protester um on that video i don't see any protester that is violent at all i saw like the opposite way and i remember something that the first day they were pretty aggressive i would say on the side of the police but the second day i noticed something else it was like more and more aggressivity that was rising up on the side of the police i don't know what they say to each other that night, but it was not the same kind of bodies that I noticed like in these mm-hmm. two days. No, 100%. But just to go back to the question, um, you know, you were shot by a police officer in the leg during the convoy. The, that clip was not shown, but seeing that clip, you know, we saw people in the, in the crowd, Merrill Leach, notably crying, mm-hmm. and some people having to leave the, the 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 room at the commission because it was too emotional for them. Well, how, how does it make you feel to to see that? Well, at least I'm I'm actually happy that they show video, mm-hmm. some evidence of what is happening. Uh, I think it should have more, 
like to really put them to the confrontation of look at what happened. Do you notice the same thing that you are testimony? Because what you are mm-hmm. seeing is not accurate of what we saw on the field. And mm-hmm. especially like, I just don't really understand why they don't actually ask me to go and testimony something. But anyway, I just uh, find that um, it's the time that we talk about what happened during these two days because it's all about these two last days that we should mm-hmm. like make the government accountable of these actions mm-hmm. because a lot of people have been injured. A lot of people have been injured these two days. Mm-hmm. Well, we saw the RCMP horses trampling a woman as well. But one of the things related to this clip that I also want to touch on, um, I'm going to quote Bernie, uh, Superintendent Bernie. He said earlier that we adopted a philosophy of slow, methodical approach. We didn't want to rush through this. We didn't want to force a confrontation yet. I think the video show, <laughs> show otherwise. <laughs> yeah, and you know, there, there's a... Shortly after the, the convoy ended, there was... Uh, uh, screenshots mm-hmm. of phone or uh, text messaging going back and forth between the RCMP members. Mm-hmm. And they were using uh, language basically saying, you know, don't, don't do it all yet. Like save some for us. We want to bring the jack boots. Right. Yeah. We saw the text messages, the text messaging of the RCMP that were there from out of town wanted to get in on the action. So mm-hmm. I think what happened maybe on the first day, there was this, uh, this sense of, you know, look at the free-for-all that we had. I mean, Mm -hmm. these people had an opportunity to go out there and attack protesters. And so it's kind of logical that the next group up wanted to get in on it. And we saw text of that. But what's also interesting Mm -hmm. is one of the RCMP officers, I believe, are the ones that leaked that uh, text messaging. So you're seeing inside, and I don't know if you remember, Alexa, but there was there was a lot of reports where uh, when we were standing on the line there, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with, with the protesters against the police, there was a lot of reports. I didn't see it, but I had heard it, mm-hmm. that if a police officer actually engaged whatsoever with one of the protesters, their supervisor would pull them right off the line and plug the hole with somebody who uh, was more disciplined or yeah. more... Um, uh, less amic- unsympathetic yeah. uh, to, yep. to what they were doing, right? And so I, mm-hmm. I can certainly understand the difference in the mentality going into the second day. Mm-hmm. Uh, the message was clear. I think a lot of those teams went back and they were told by their supervisors, you communicate with these people, there'll be consequences. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's my read on that situation. Yeah, and I think that that, that philosophy that they did have, that mentality, that fear mongering the police caused on the police officers was one of the reasons why they were so aggressive and yeah. so unwilling to actually speak you know, in a nice way to the protesters. We saw the protesters trying to engage with the police. We saw them yeah. coming up to them and being nice and giving them the charters of rights and yeah. freedoms, being peaceful with them, yet the reaction from the police wasn't the same thing at all. I had seen a video of uh, one of the young protesters. It was a young lady. She was handing them a flower, mm. and uh, yep. the police yeah, officer batted that. her right across her forearm with the, with the baton. Mm-hmm. Uh, smashed her mm-hmm. across the arm while she was extending a flower. Mm-hmm. So, you know, let's let's you know zoom out and look at the big picture here. Mm-hmm. Do we need the emergency act no. to to go yeah. after? I mean, did did any of that on that video or any of the even the testimony? I mean, it always comes back to relevance. Mm-hmm. We we we've never seen any testimony yet to date that that met the four conditions of the CSIS yeah. Act Section Two therefore nullifying the the 
justification of the use of the emergency mm-hmm. act. Mm-hmm. And again, you know, I think we're on day nine of the testimony and yet mm-hmm. you only, you're only seeing the four groups of the lawyers out of the total of 14 mm-hmm. actually talking mm-hmm. about the emergency act. Yeah. All the rest are just, it's cover your ass. It's still another well, day of co- cover that. Plus also you see Paul champ only touching <laughs> about the impact on communities, but yeah. the impact on residential neighborhoods is not a reason to invoke the emergencies act. Yeah. That's not a valid reason. That's not what the emergencies no. act is there for. It's not a valid reason at all. That's the role. It, it's just not. Um, and and what surprises me, I just want to add that what surprises me is how much time uh, the lawyers for Peter slowly seem to get, mm-hmm. which is a little mm-hmm. bit bizarre to me. They seem to get an enormous amount of time. Uh, and it's about, he gets the time. His lawyers are there basically to protect Peter slowly. Mm-hmm. That's why they're there. They're not there to talk about the justification of the emergency act. They're there to protect him from culpability later. Mm-hmm. And he gets an enormous amount of time where other groups are getting like very like five minutes, uh, 10 minutes slivers. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very bizarre but to me. Quality. It's always mm-hmm. better than quantity because Agreed. at the end of the day, the quality will win. But I, I just want to remember that everybody that revenues has have still like a lawsuit against the RCMP. If you want, you can do so and go and stand with Alexa.com. But Tom, since I have you, because we did talk about you so much and I want to clarify just a point with you. They were talking about you, about the fact that you agree with them to talk with the trucker to um, move them to Wellington. When the trucker did agree to it seems that you have some miscommunication between the police to agree to move them mm-hmm. to Wellington. And afterwards mm-hmm. they say that the truckers didn't want it to follow you anymore because of that. Can you cl- clarify a little bit of what they, they say about you? Absolutely. So what, what's interesting is what we learned today was that before I had the meeting with uh, Steve K, mm-hmm. uh, and you know there were police officers that did join in after, so did Keith and Eva, mm-hmm. uh, despite uh, Inspector Drummond's confusion on the issue. They actually did attend the meeting afterwards, and we, we did talk about these details. And what's really interesting to me is that we found out today that the Ottawa Police Services had already decided that we weren't going to be able to move those trucks up onto Wellington. Mm -hmm. So the question had to be asked, why did you send anybody and myself? Why did you, why did you try to get me to go to uh, Rideau Mm -hmm. and and try to convince the truckers to move up onto Wellington? If you knew the day before that you were not going to honor the deal, the deal. And what's really troubling, this is what's really troubling is that then they're spinning this narrative that, because the police are the ones who reneged on the deal. That's what happened that that night. I basically had them on the one yard line. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had the truckers ready to go. They were they were going to actually do this, and then the police reneged on the deal. And then they they're fr- reframing this narrative that well they're not going to follow Tom. Mm-hmm. It's like actually they were. Yeah. Uh, and I, I want to make a really important distinction here. I went up there. To, to not to negotiate with the truckers on there because we we had different groups of people there yeah but to lay out what the uh the upside for us was and then to get them to decide themselves right I, I wasn't in a position to direct just anybody. I was them, just yeah. talking I was laying out the argument and mm-hmm. my recommendation to do this mm-hmm. I thought that it was and others agreed that it was the best strategic move mm-hmm. so 
you move and then we'll reevaluate what's going on. Mm -hmm. And we were there, we were there. And then the police last minute pulled the carpet out from underneath the, the police liaison team. And now they're reframing the narrative to say, well, the truckers didn't have control of the truckers. Mm -hmm. So they're blaming us for a deal that they knew was a setup from the day before. Yeah, well, I think it was the most, uh, the, the most intelligent thing to do, the most intelligent mm -hmm. move. And I think we're seeing that in the commission. Mm -hmm. And now we've been talking for mm -hmm. a little while. One viewer to be able to see parts of the testimony given by um, the first witness of the superintendent, Bernie. So let's, let's take a look at some of what he had to say. Police have common law powers to exclude the public from an area in which a police operation is underway. Is that correct? Yes. And those powers could have been used in the clearing of uh, the protests in Ottawa, couldn't they? Yes. In fact, you planned on using those powers to clear the protests, and the federal emergency declaration did not significantly impact your planning. Is that right? I wouldn't exactly say that. Very hard to to know what it would have been like without it. Right. I, your your interview summary does say that, but uh, but I'll leave it. Uh, I'll leave that answer as is. Um, you would have carried out the planned police operation, whether the government declared a public order emergency or not, though, isn't that right? Correct. The planning and the the concept of operation was already in place, and I didn't have any knowledge that um, an emergency act was going to be put in place. Council for Canada earlier on today put it to you that, and I'm paraphrasing a bit, uh, you never know whether your use of a common law exclusion zone will hold up in court if it's challenged after the fact. Do you remember that question? Yes. Um, if police proceeded as planned and relied on common law exclusion zone powers to clear the protest, the fact that those powers might have been challenged after the fact wouldn't change the fact that the protests had already been cleared, would it? That is correct. All right. So would you agree that the federal emergency power to create exclusion zones may have been helpful to police, but it was not necessary? Once again, um, I, I think it was beneficial. Beneficial, but not necessary. Correct. Thank you. Um, Council for Canada showed you a letter dated February 17th, 2022, earlier on today which appeared to be a letter from OPP Commissioner Karik to tow truck, tow truck drivers. You had never seen that letter before it was shown to you today. Is that right? Correct. Uh, you have Helpful, yeah. but not necessary. I think that's, I feel, I feel like we're just repeating ourselves at this point, but that's, that's what we're hearing every day, you know? I, and, I, and I have to admit, there are, there are times in there where I do want to do cartwheels down the aisle in there, and that was one of the moments. Mm-hmm. But me, um, about the, the, the suffering, like the suffering face of like the the witness, like to try to avoid yeah, to say it, yeah. and, But mm -hmm. you see that he's suffering because he's like, ah, oh, should yeah. not say it, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. That that's what they keep repeating all the time. Helpful, but not necessary. One, yes. What's one of the conditions? I mean, we're going to have a lawyer later on, yes. Keith Wilson. But one of the conditions for the invocation of the Emergencies Act is that it has to be necessary. It doesn't matter if you're too incompetent to do your job and that's helpful for you. Yeah. It yeah. doesn't matter. It's not about convenience, it's about necessity. Yeah. And, and lo let's just look at the timeline. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it, it, you know, I, I wasn't a police officer. I was a soldier. So I understand planning. Mm -hmm. It made perfect sense to me that the Ottawa police, their entire uh, infrastructure would be mm -hmm. planning 
doing a big contingency plan to at some point get the order to start clearing the protest. Mm -hmm. That makes Mm -hmm. perfect sense to me. And what's interesting though, is that the mayor under, uh, under oath on the stand said he had no knowledge that the emergency act was going to be invoked, Mm -hmm. but their plan was still being put into motion. They were, they were actively for days building a plan. This Mm -hmm. we knew it made sense. It's logical that they would do it, but under what authority were they making the plan? Mm -hmm. The plan was the authority that they always had from day one to execute that plan. So then he just confirmed it right there. We didn't actually need the emergency act. We already had the authority to do the plan and we were going to execute the plan. And the only thing that was helpful Mm Tow trucks. Yeah, that's the same thing they've been saying yeah. all along. Yeah, tow trucks. People I don't know if you <laughs> did you follow like the 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 emergent like today. Yeah, the plan on the nine, and the plan on the thirteen, the plan on the seventeen, the plan. And I was like lost in all the plan that they had. I was like, how many plans did you have? Like, well, I, th- I, I, think, I think they had three. I think they had three at the end. They had an original one, the ninth, and they had a second one, the thirteenth. At the end, they only had three. Mm-hmm. I think that was a total. Yeah, they they would have. It makes sense to me that they would go through because I listen mm-hmm. to the testimony. A lot of the planning that they go through that cycle yeah. is very similar to the way the military would do mm-hmm. that type of planning. They, they it's modified. It's not exactly the same, but a lot of the vocabulary, the expressions are very same to military planning. Mm-hmm. And um, so I just thought it was very interesting to me that when I was listening to it, I I thought, okay, you're doing your operational plan or your tactical plan. Mm-hmm. And you're doing it under your own authority. Yeah. You don't need the Emergency Act. And, and let's back up a little bit, too. Mm-hmm. By I believe uh, that before the invocation of the Emergency Act, Ontario had already declared a state of emergency. So uh, that even yeah, further enhanced have, their right. plan. So they already mm-hmm. had an, an, an enhanced level of authority under Ontario. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it didn't doesn't appear to have a, a, an enormous amount of teeth, mm-hmm. but it still was the city declared a state of emergency, uh, which strangely enough was toothless because it, it actually had to, you have to invoke the uh, riot act, mm-hmm. which is a bizarre thing. And then the, the province went to an emergency under all of that authority that they already had, they were doing planning to do what mm-hmm. they did. It's just now. They got the emergency act and the only benefit that it gave them was the fact that they could literally um fe- almost federalize some tow trucks mm-hmm. yeah that, and i mean yeah that's every, everyone declared the situation an emergency situation but i just want to touch on two last things because i see a keith wilson entered mm-hmm. entered a little building right here and we only have you for seven more minutes but one of the things that i want to touch on is one of the things that paul champ <laughs> said uh, as a question this great lawyer he said that, that doing this with the jerry cans their uh, jerry cans and propane mm. um you guys using this he said quote unquote would mean that the protesters could have been hurt or injured due to their own freedom i couldn't stop laughing when i, I heard that what I a know. bizarre thing to say yeah i <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah uh due to their own freedom i i, I listen i don't really I, I was listening and I was really struggling to understand where he was going. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're going to hear, I hope we're going to hear testimony about the steps that we took, mm-hmm. uh, both involving two inspections from the fire marshal 
and from the Electrical Safety Authority with uh, generators and, and electrical panels we set up mm -hmm. in places, as well as all the steps we took to safely store the mm -hmm. fuel. There was inspections, and, yeah. and I'm hoping it comes out. Yeah, of the I think testimony. that you touched on it on yesterday's live stream. You touched on the fact yeah. that the police department came to you well, guys and made an inspection. Yeah, I inspection. mean, my my recollection of that is that uh, the day before, on the on the Saturday, the day before the police raided Coventry, mm -hmm. the uh, the fire department came in and inspected, made recommendations. We we did the modifications. They still came mm -hmm. in and did the raid anyway. Which, by the way, we also heard testimony by several people. Yeah. A, there was a there was a lot of divide about doing that raid and in fact i there's a phone call that we received where, where a police officer was making an apology mm -hmm. about doing the raid Ooh. at coventry uh and and i'll leave that alone because I, I think i'll be testifying on yeah. these, these facts but the day after coventry again the uh fire department came out and did an inspection on the fuel and they said okay it's it's safe mm -hmm. so for paul champ to grasp at uh ambulances while he's chasing it yeah um, we can't say we can't I, say the worst i don't know where i don't know i don't know i yeah, think no, well, i think surprising paul, from paul champ though but seriously i think paul champ like is a waste of time uh, for mm -hmm. other like great lawyer or other people to ask questions especially on what one of his questions was like are we been lucky in ottawa to have nobody been hurt or killed mm -hmm. i was like mm -hmm. are you kidding are you kidding unless like i've been feed, feed in in the street and like some people like have been donated like most of that their time to others like you think that someone would be hurt or killed mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah no i well I, i'd love to know what this tax the rich incompetent lawyer guy paul champ would yeah. have to say about the blm protest that took place in the united states if he thinks those were just unlucky protests where it cost mm -hmm. billions of dollars in reparation to the city uh, one last thing that i want to touch on before you you leave us at some right-wing extremists you know at the beginning of the show today yeah. I, i made that joke that you're a right-wing extremist and i see that yeah. as soon as keith wilson entered you took your tie off yeah but uh right-wing extremists we heard them discussing the fact that there was right-wing extremism in the protest what do you have to say to that report that was presented yeah so what's interesting is this report that they were referencing in in the commission today uh i found it really interesting because even inspector drummond said hey that's not something that we would have factored yeah. into our intelligence where did that come from and i and i suspect i know but i don't want to say because i'm, I'm not 100 sure where that report came from mm -hmm. but it, it is it, from my perspective it was just dropped in uh to further a narrative i don't think it had any mm -hmm. It's, it doesn't have a lot of uh, practical use in, in the commission oh, other than to drop mm -hmm. in this um, these phrases, right? These phrases, mm -hmm. you know how it is. It's just wash, rinse, repeat. Just yeah, the yeah. same thing over and over and over. Yeah. And it'll it'll it's meant to manipulate people that are susceptible mm -hmm. to that kind of a language. Mm -hmm. uh, and the reality is that, uh, you know, I, my joke is I played right wing in hockey, uh, a little bit of soccer. Uh, but in terms of extremist, mm. um, yeah, I'm just going to leave it at that because uh, we'll see how that fares. Yeah, you with... were you were probably a little bit too far yeah. away in the oppositions because yeah. I, I tend <laughs> yeah. to consider myself a moderate right down the middle. Mm. To be perfectly honest, so to say right wing, 
that's just using words against people. Yeah. Uh, it's it's all a psyop. No, I'm I'm sure the Antifa groups would would oh, yeah. wouldn't agree with yeah. you that you, they they would think that you you're an extremist. Tom, Tom yeah. thanks for coming on today. Right. We'll definitely see you yes. see you soon. Thanks for the time. <laughs> of course, we're gonna throw to a quick ad, and then when we come back, we're gonna have Freedom Convoy lawyer Keith Wilson coming on as well. Freedom in 2022 is not sitting idly by while health diktats with no skin in the game make up all the rules. If you're like me and want to play an active role in upholding civil liberties and freedoms for all Canadians, for our children and eventually our grandchildren, then come out to our Rebel Live event and get to know us in person while hearing from some of the most influential leaders in the freedom movement. We have events in Toronto on November the 19th and in Calgary on Saturday, November 26th. Tickets are on sale now at rebelnewslive.com. Come out, have lunch, get some Rebel swag, meet the Rebels and more. You don't want to miss this event. Check it out, rebelnewslive.com. from October 13th to November 25th. We are here in Ottawa for the Emergencies Act Inquiry organized by the Public Order Emergency Commission. But why why the Emergencies Act Inquiry? Well, because during the Freedom Convoy back in February, Justin Trudeau used a never invoked before Emergencies Act to basically seize protesters' bank accounts, seize protesters' money, seize their assets, trample their civil liberties. So we're here this month for the next month and a half to figure out if the way the government acted was lawful and was appropriate. So we are here to hold the government accountable, but we need your help. We are here to cover it for you because everyone else here is mainstream media. So if you want to help us cover it, if you want to help us bring you the other side of the story, factual, actual news, go to truckercommission.com and consider making a donation. All right, so we're back. We have someone that actually is able to wear a tie properly with a proper <laughs> dress shirt. Just by the way, before we start again, I just want to do say a quick thing. I have my phone on because I don't have my computer here, but all my notes are on my phone. So that's why I look at my phone sometimes. Keith, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Great. So just to begin, I just want to get your thoughts on Bath Van de... How did you say her last name? Van de Berg? Bath Shiva Vandenberg. Vandenberg. Uh, on her cross-examination of um, Mr. Bernier. Well, I mean, she's trying to expose certain themes of contradiction in their testimony. Um, you know, one of the things that's troubling is how each of the senior police officials are dodging the question about who made the decision to send hundreds of Canadians after they'd been detained for several hours mm -hmm. out into rural locations and drop them off with dead dead batteries in their phones mm -hmm. without shelter or other means of communication or transportation. And, um, uh, uh, my colleague, uh, pursued that line of questioning mm -hmm. and the uh, police official did the same thing that the previous one did, which is to start talking about processing centers. Mm -hmm. And of course we knew they had two processing centers, but the issue is after people had been processed, they then took them to these rural locations, mm -hmm. minus 25, snow, out, wind, yeah. and kicked them out. A lot of them had been beaten. Uh, a lot of them had already 
some frostbite on their hands because they were zip tied behind their backs and they didn't mm -hmm. have gloves on. Um, they didn't have access to a bathroom for several hours. So it's outrageous. Mm -hmm. This is Canada. Yeah, no, for sure. Well, I think a lot of people have, have some hard time believing what a, what our country is like right now. Is what you're talking about this snatch and grab method? Because we did hear Bath talk about that, but is that what you're talking? Can you explain well, more? What and, snatch and grab is where they, they have the line come forward. Yeah. And then when someone's close, they open the line, pull them through, and then close the line. Mm -hmm. So that's how they would start arresting people as they do this snatch and grab. And I think you guys witnessed that firsthand. Yeah. Yeah, did you see I, some I of that, Alexa? By a lot. It was actually what I saw during the two days, just grabbing the one that was closer from the police that was more vulnerable, and they mm -hmm. were grabbing and bringing it, like, really far away. And sometimes they were beat or the face down to the, the snow. I mm -hmm. saw uh, as well, like, um, I don't know for any um, uh, legal like uh, side but all most of the vehicle were injured too like they broke the window they actually broke most of the window of the car i, I was there at the towing place and most mm -hmm. of the car that was like going out of there was really destroyed and i was just like do they have any help like legal help for doing something against that they, it mm -hmm. seems like in the commission nobody's talking about like the injury of the car do they have like the 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 power to do that? Yeah, well, I mean, you're a lawyer, so you can talk to you. Can yeah, and, and I should explain something because uh, I get a lot of emails in the day. It's a disadvantage of people being able to find your email address, and so maybe an advantage too. And and uh, here's what everybody needs to understand: is why is it that today, for example? Uh, our our team had 25 minutes to cross-examine this witness who was up for a day. Um, and what happens is each day, so today we had to file by five o'clock all of the documents that we plan to cross-examine the witness who will appear three days from now and indicate the subject matter of our questioning and how much time we want. So we'll okay. say like an hour and a half. And then two days later, we'll get an email saying um, you're allowed to cross-examine, but you get five minutes mm -hmm. or you're allowed to cross-examine, but you get 15 minutes. Yeah, it depends every day. And we even get a seating order as to who can sit at a council table mm -hmm. and the sequence of when the questioning will occur. Mm -hmm. So then we triage and we go, all right, we had an hour and a half worth of questions. Mm -hmm. So we have to focus in on certain areas Yeah, and, We've been incrementally bringing things in, as you'll notice. Like today was the first time you saw the videos of the violence mm -hmm. because we had other things we had to deal with earlier. And we had to say, okay, mm -hmm. yeah, we wanted to ask Bell about that, but we knew we had too many more important things yeah. we had to get out from him. So, so it's a big, complex chessboard we're dealing with, and we're always have way less time and way more questions. So we have to triage. Mm -hmm. So for those out there wondering why mm -hmm. we're not asking certain questions, that's part of the answer. One of the things that we wanted to get out today was the violence of the police. And that's why we put that video in where you can clearly see that police officer just ramming his rifle, mm -hmm. muzzle end, not even butt end into someone's back or head or yeah. something. Um, and, you know, the room went really quiet. 
when that video played. I think it had it had the desired effect, and that's and that's another thing. We're wanting to play a lot more videos, but if you think about how long it takes to play the video, and they always yeah. seem to have a trouble queuing it up, and then it buffers or it stops. <laughs> Well, that's our time. Tick, 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 tick. You're playing the video now. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're, 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 you're going to see more videos. Um, but those are some of the, the, the tactical procedural challenges we have in the room, uh, given how much evidence they're trying to get in over such a short period well, of time. Of course, of course, a strategy that you lawyers have to, to decide which evidence we put first, which evidence do we put to which person, definitely some interesting stuff. And, you know, as you often come on our live stream, you're becoming sort of a star, but I think you were also a star on TikTok as we saw today. Yes. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, my, my question the- it's like, did you expect that they were using that video? Probably, I don't know if it was kind of against you, but it was like a kind of a narrative that was going in the other way that the parties was telling uh, the protester to do. So did you expect that they were playing it today? I actually well, not today, thought... In the commission. I thought they would actually use that against me in cross-examination. So I was glad to see it come out today because they used it in cross-examination on the police, one of the lawyers. Well, I mean, honestly, it doesn't make you look bad because you are saying to the protesters that are coming here to Ottawa to cause trouble not to come. So you are telling them mm-hmm. that if you come here to, you know, disrupt international trade or to cause trouble, do not come to Ottawa. Those are your exact words from the TikTok video. So I was very surprised to see that lawyer who is leaning against the freedom convoy to try to put that video out and show it to me. I don't think it makes you look bad, to be honest. Well, uh, thank you for that. I mean, it's always weird to watch yourself as we all know, uh, and what we're the three of us do, but, um, the, the background on that video was, uh, we had, uh, Tamara had called emergency board meeting. We were in the seventh floor boardroom in the Sheridan hotel. It was mm-hmm. the, uh, that would have been, probably the 16th, the Wednesday. Yeah, that was the last Mm -hmm. time we were all together before we had to disperse because the the arrests were starting. Mm -hmm. Um, And what had happened was I just briefed the board. I had several lawyers, some on my team and some on a new team we brought in, review the legislation in addition to my own review, wanted to make sure I was absolutely solid in my understanding of the law because I knew I was going to make a definitive statement about it. Mm -hmm. And uh, I briefed the board. Chris Barber said, that's great. You just told the board, come over here. Let's do a TikTok and tell the world. And he's like, hey, I'm joined by lawyer Keith Wells. It's like, oh, okay. I guess I got to say it. Um, and I stand by what I said. It's 100% legally accurate. That was was amazing to us is what the actual Emergency Act order said. Mm-hmm. It clearly said that Canadians continue to have their charter right for peaceful assembly. It clearly said that Canadians continue to have the right for uh, political advocacy, protest, and dissent. And then it went on to say, however, you know, if you're going to block international trade, or if you're going to interfere with critical infrastructure, like a ferry terminal or a bridge, or if you're going to engage in serious acts of violence against persons or property, Mm -hmm. then you weren't allowed to go to downtown Ottawa. Well, I didn't know anybody wanted to do any of those things. So that Mm -hmm. meant everybody was allowed to go to downtown Ottawa. And you've heard repeatedly them use the expression that this became an illegal protest, right? There is no point in time, Mm -hmm. none, 
at which it became a legal protest. And you'll notice they're always vague about well, what was the moment in time that it became illegal? What was the criteria? The bottom line is at no point in time was it illegal. Well, I think we both know the exact thing that had to be done by the mayor. If we we will. Wanted to, yes, yeah, we we'll, will. We'll show it at some point. We, we don't want to spoil it already, but let me assure you, it's very funny. Um, but you mentioned earlier that you were scared in a certain way that they would use it against you in cross-examination. So that would mean that you're going to be testifying. I think uh, I, I learned earlier that you're going to be testifying next week. Yeah, we received the tentative uh, schedule for the protest witnesses. Uh, mm-hmm. The tentative schedule is uh, on Tuesday will be Chris Barber and Tom Morazzo. Uh, on the Wednesday, it'll be myself. Mm-hmm. On Thursday, it will be Tamara Leach. And yeah. then on the Friday, it'll be Danny Bulford. Uh, and you know, you're going to be testifying for full day, but I have a couple of questions on that. So I know in the preliminary this, witness you're gonna list... You're going to get me warmed up here. You're going to do a little practice. <laughs> <laughs> so I, yeah, I, uh, you weren't. your name Alexa wasn't on out. the pre- preliminary witness list. So why... Where you added was it something that you, you guys requested? Or was yeah, something so what worked requested? is, and, the, and let me help clarify this too, because so the witnesses is always a living document in a, mm-hmm. an inquiry of this nature. They released a preliminary witness list because we were still in discussions with them about the range of witnesses that we wanted to put forward and the rationale for putting them forward. They only put very few of our witnesses on mm-hmm. uh, on that list, and people looked at the list and they went, "Wow, how come there's so few?" from the convoy. Mm -hmm. So that's the reason. We submitted a list of 25. In fact, we're expanding it by a few more. Um, So the commission is currently reviewing that list of 25 witnesses that we're requesting. And uh, and only three on the current list are are on the mm-hmm. official list that you've seen. I mean, I'm not on that list and I'm testifying. Yeah, the, the, Danny the Wolfer's not on that list, yeah, exactly. but he's testifying. Yeah. So um, there'll be a further list that will come out in probably the coming days. Um, you know, we're shifting. Uh, the resources of the commission have been really focused on on the municipal officials and the, pol- the, the municipal and provincial police. Now they're shifting their energies into the protesters. That'll be the next phase. And, and then the federal police and then the, 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 the great crescendo at the end will be, uh, in the last two weeks, the, uh, one fifth of the federal cabinet is expected to testify, yeah. including yeah. Uh, prime minister Trudeau himself. So. But I mean, why Keith Wilson? I mean, you're, you're, you're just a TikTok star. Why, why are you? Well, uh, I, I I take your your sarcasm. Um, gotten to know this guy, seeing him every day in the hearing room. Um, you know, I I was asked to lead the legal team, and I flew in uh, with my team on February second, mm. and I was on the ground for nineteen days. And I was just talking to Tamara because I was reviewing my telephone logs from my 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 cell phone bill to show all the phone calls I had with Premier Peckford and the mayor's chief of staff and the, the police and all these things to confirm dates and times. And, um, I said to Tamara, I said, your phone number's not on there once. And she said, yeah, she said, we, we, we always talked face to face cause we were always together. Yeah. So Tom and Tamara and Eva and I, and others were always together mm-hmm. from early morning to late at night, dealing with the issues. Um, Eva and I were involved in all the negotiations with the police. We dealt with GoFundMe. We dealt with give send go. We've dealt with the class action lawsuit. We dealt with the horn injunction. We've dealt with the Mariva injunction. We dealt with the Bitcoin. So, um, I think that's why they've asked me to testify. Oh, it'll be interesting to see, and, see you testifying. Yeah. And you, you were, you, you were there when, um, the the meeting with the mayor was there and they actually say today that you fell at um 
uh, the, I, under, I, I don't know, maybe you need to uh, refresh me, but I, they say that when Keith William did fell for the, um, um, to seal the deal, I think, uh, with the protester, with the mayor. Um, I don't know if you recall that. Uh, oh, you, yeah. They, they were so talking about you. Yeah, yeah. Their, their, their narrative is, well, the police have a narrative and the federal government have a narrative. The police narrative is it's not their fault that they blocked the trucks from moving because we had trucks ready to go every day. We had, we had, we had a huge number. We, we were really surprised at the buy-in on the Saturday night and the Saturday, the leaders and the block captains went around to all the different blocks, Coventry, uh, Tamara herself went out to the farm locations yeah. to make sure that the owners of those lands were satisfied with hundreds of vehicles showing up in the coming days. And they were, and they had room for them because the most of the vehicles were 75% of the vehicles were going to leave the downtown core. 25 were going to go up to Wellington. And then the idea is that we would expand the shuttle bus service from the farms, to camps. So the protesters could keep coming during the day. And, and there was also a lot of people that needed to get home. You know, they wanted to stay and they wanted to stay as long as they could, but we have to be realistic. And, and, and so making this move provided an opportunity for them to move with dignity. Um, so the police narrative is, well, the trucks were never going to leave. So it didn't matter that we blocked them. It's still the trucker's fault, right? It's like, no, it's your fault. So that's mm. what the commission's lawyers are really pursuing today. Um, the federal government narrative is, the federal government was right to ignore this breakthrough deal between the mayor and the truckers because the truckers weren't going to honor it. And the truckers never completed the deal. Well, when they keep concrete barriers in front of your truck, it's pretty hard to move. Mm -hmm. So I think this commission is seeing through that. You can see that in the questioning that they're having. And I'm hoping that by the time the rest of us testify and tell the other side of the story, that it'll become clear what really happened here is that we had a plan to de-escalate, to reduce the pressures on the downtown, to concentrate the pressure on the federal government where it needed to be, mm -hmm. and to allow the protests to carry on in a way that was more sustainable. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, we, we, we keep hearing and, a lot of stuff. Yeah. And uh, they talk a lot today about the miscommunication. And yeah, I have I the impression say, yeah. that all the group of uh, different um Unite of police like the um, the PLT or the OPP or the OPS. And I have the impression that they were not communicating to each other. It was just like we are communicating with the OPS, but I have the impression that the information was not going through to others. So um, probably I have the impression that if everything went not well, it's it's the lack of communication. Yeah, I mean, one of the things we realized is that, and we knew this at the time, is that we had better communications than the police. Um, so the number of times I would get a phone call from from the the police level that we were dealing with constantly, and they go, Keith, Keith, what's going on? <laughs> and we'd say, well, your superintendent is meeting with your chief, and they're deciding this, this, and this. They're like, okay, mm -hmm. thanks. We'll tell the other guys here. Like, no problem. Why don't you guys just give me a radio, you know? Yeah. Um, so we had that. But the other thing that we learned that we didn't know at the time, we thought it was all communication was the problem. We now know from all of the notes of the superintendents and the interim chief that they made conscious decisions not to let the deal go through. Mm -hmm. They made conscious mm -hmm. decisions. Like the first attempt for us to clear Sussex and Rideau, which occurred after the meeting we had with Steve Kay, the city manager on the 8th, Eva 
Chipiak, myself and Tom mm-hmm. is, uh, uh, we now found out today from the police notes that the senior command had in the morning said, there's no way we're going to let any trucks move from that intersection. So Tom Morazzo was like, well, why did you send me in to negotiate with Sussex and Rodeo <laughs> when you already knew you weren't going to let any trucks move and Tom had them ready to move. He walked forward in a parlay because all the police were gathered, had a conversation with uh, Sergeant Fong and Fong said, Oh, I got to take a call. Because Tom said, we're ready to go, pull the barriers. We're going to move up to Wellington. Mm -hmm. Uh, You're going to get your intersection cleared. And uh, Fung said, oh, deal's off. And we now have the notes from the senior command officials that made that decision and noting that they phoned Fong and said the deal's off or there Mm -hmm. there was never going to be a deal. So it's remarkable. Um, This could have been handled in a way that would have, this could have been handled in a Canadian way. Mm you know, by respect and dialogue and recognizing that there was a fundamental difference of view. Um, and by de-escalating, uh, as, as the commissioners asked many of the witnesses, was there ever a plan or an offer to allow a way for the protest to continue in a mm-hmm. way that was peaceful and lawful? And we were actually on a track for that. And the other bombshell that came out yesterday, and you guys probably covered it, but I just got to highlight it. Uh, you know, the mic drop moment with, yeah, yeah. Uh, with Miller. Oh yeah. Um, or, and, and just to, to simplify that for everyone, cause uh, it's, it, unless you're, it was hard to pick up on exactly what happened. Oh, there. It was great. But th- it was this, the same steps that Eva and Tom and I were taking with the city and the mayor and Dean French, former chief of staff to premier Ford, who was acting as the emissary, the intermediary, but with the mayor, um, that whole kind of framework that we had in place to deescalate, reduce the footprint, focus the the protest right on the federal government's doorstep was something that the RCMP and the federal government and the public safety deputy minister had come up with as well. Mm -hmm. And they had laid it out in this document and this whole plan as to how it could work. And it was basically mimicking what we had done at the municipal level. They were going to do it implemented at the federal level and it would have worked. It was presented to the cabinet and they said, no, we're invoking the emergencies act. Mm -hmm. And that's when Miller said to the head OPP, yesterday sir because he was involved in developing this plan of of negotiation sir mm-hmm. you do you I, I i'm i'm telling you that this plan was presented to the iroc whatever their initials are this cabinet emergency committee um for this de-escalation they rejected it mm-hmm. and they invoked the emergency well, let's, let's look at exactly what what miller said right here an email from the deputy minister of public safety rob stewart to you right yes okay and in the third sentence on the top paragraph it says we have a big meeting this afternoon well this will be discussed so i really need your input right yes all right did you know that that meeting was at 3 30 p.m and that it was with cabinet and it was the incident response group of the political executive meeting and that your proposal was provided to them? Uh, No. Okay. It was. I can tell you that. And then they invoked the Emergencies Act. Thank you. If you look look at his face. That's the first time he discovers 
-hmm. that this plan he had that was a really good plan and the proof that it was really good plan was it was so similar to the plan that yeah. Tom and Eva and and Steve K and 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 the mayor and his chief of staff and Dean French had put together mm -hmm. and that was succeeding was succeeding and so he's really excited about it this senior OPP officer and he finds out on a live stream under oath in cross examination mm -hmm. that his plan was in fact presented to the cabinet and the prime minister. They ignored what it. you can see. It's like, wow, mm -hmm. really? What happened? They rejected it. They invoked the emergencies act. And you saw his face as he stares at Miller walking off the stand. And your, 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 fr your friend Miller from Alberta is such a great lawyer. And I think we have another clip from today that we can show to our viewers about the cross-examination mm -hmm. done by Brendan Miller. Let's take a look at that. So at any time on February 8th, 2022, there was nothing stopping OPS in the city from moving the barriers, letting the trucks leave the residential area, and letting them go onto Wellington, was there? You're referring to Rideau and Sussex, which correct? Not, not, that's not necessarily a residential area. That's a commercial area there. Right. So you agree that there was nothing stopping you or the city or OPS from allowing that to happen on February 8th, 2022? It could have been done, but we didn't reach an agreement, and the group there didn't want to move. I understand uh, that may be the evidence. Where did you, you didn't ever hear from anyone from that group. You didn't speak to them, and they didn't say to you that they didn't want to move, did they? I had had dealings up at that street. I'd been up to Rideau and Sussex during the course of the events. Right, and did they just go and tell you, someone approached you, you're saying, and said, no, we're not moving? They made it clear on a number of occasions they weren't too happy. But you knew from your PLT work that Tom Marazzo had apparent control of 322 trucks. And that was on February 7th. That's in your own document. Correct. And so if you move the barriers and the deal went through, as discussed on February 8th, right, it could have been done. I think there, was some, there were some issues about whether they were leaving or moving. And I had spoke to Inspector or Superintendent Patterson earlier, and we didn't have approval to do that. Approval? To move, to move west. Okay, and what, whose approval did you need? The event commander, Superintendent Patterson. Superintendent Patterson. So you're saying that Superintendent Patterson didn't permit the February 8th, 2022 deal? It's Interesting. Yeah. What, what so, do you make of that clip? Well, it just again it, it illustrates that we worked really hard to earn the trust of the bulk of the protesters. You know, there's always going to be lone wolves and guys who are going to say silly things. You, I mean, you get more than ten people together, you're going to have that one person do that. Um, but if the reality is, if the police would have cooperated and they wouldn't have stopped and kept double crossing. We would have had the entirety of the downtown cleared, but for Wellington, I estimate that about, you know, so 25% of the vehicles would have went up onto Wellington. We had lots of room under on Wellington. Um, about 75% would have left. And I think about half of those would have went to the base camps and some would have went home and they maybe would have only went home for five or six days. And then they would have come back to the base camp and we would have been running mm -hmm. our shuttle buses and we would have kept the pressure on the federal government. But, you know, you think about what it would have happened if you game that out. And we did, we knew 
that if we did the deal with the mayor and the mayor effectively solved the problem, who looks incredibly weak? The prime minister. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the mayor looks strong and the prime minister looks weak, right? So he Mm -hmm. wasn't going to have that. The truckers had already showed him for what he is. And and that's why our plan and its success didn't dissuade them from bringing the Emergencies Act. And as we Mm -hmm. now know, the OPP plan and the federal government public safety plan to open up negotiations at the federal level that we were always open to Mm -hmm. uh, was not going to be allowed. And instead, uh, I said to each of the police liaison and senior government officials that phoned me on the Wednesday, this would be the uh, 16th, and told me Mm -hmm. the deal's not going ahead anymore. The new police chief stopped it and the federal government stopped it. Mm -hmm. And I said, it's clear to me that the prime minister wants his Tiananmen Square moment. When you think back to Beijing, Mm -hmm. when the students revolted 20 some years ago and uh, the communist regime sent in the goons to beat up and shoot citizens that were protesting for democracy. Well, he's, he's got uh, a deep admiration for, for the basic dictatorship in China. He said yeah, it, he's, he said he's it told once. us, he's told us about his admiration. And then we have his other ties to Cuba, which might be family. We're not sure, but you know, so he's got those affinities to uh, these kind of authoritarian mm-hmm. regimes, and it's his default, obviously. We know we got to make sure that we're careful about what we say because Bill Sullivan might be enacted into law. Let's yeah. let's throw to a quick ad. When we come back, we'll talk about Doug Ford for a quick moment, and then we'll read some of your chats. Alberta Prosperity Project is dedicated to protecting Alberta's world-class energy sector, and has invited Alex Epstein, American author of the best-selling new book fossil future to speak on the importance of fossil fuels and the vital role they play in our economy. Join us on Friday, October 28th at the Weston Calgary airport for beef and beer with Alex Epstein. You will not want to miss this. Buy your tickets at www.albertaprosperityevents.com today. My mug? I know. It's pretty cool. So is this hoodie I got on, and you could have it on too if you check out our special website at rebelnewsstore.com. That's where you can see Freedom Focus hoodies that we have for you, beanies, cell phone cases, you name it, all while supporting our journalism where we fight to bring you the other side of the story as opposed to, you know, being forced by the Trudeau government to fund leftist media out of your taxes. The truth is... Without you and your generosity, there is no Rebel News. So again, if you like the reports that we bring you and that we also fight for freedoms in Canada, please consider doing some shopping, picking up some swag at rebelnewsstore.com. We appreciate your support. To Doc Ford, uh, Media allowed me. Um, I was surprised that to watch the commission so far and none of them mentioned the number of press conference that the leader of the convoy did to try to pass the message and to communicate and to make their voice heard by the politician. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, really, I found that really incredible that they didn't bring that up at all. Mm-hmm. 
you know, you guys were willing to engage with the politicians. You guys were willing to talk to the politicians. Um, in regards to Doug Ford, now we learned recently that he was summoned to participate in the Public uh, Order Emergency Act inquiry. Do you have any updates on that situation? Well, he has. Uh, he has been summoned. Um, the commission has detailed initially the uh, their efforts over the past couple of months to have him participate. They've indicated the, mm -hmm. in writing the questions they were looking to get answers to. So there's no trial by ambush here. Um, and he refused all of those. So they took steps to, to subpoena him, to compel mm -hmm. him to attend by force of law. Um, he has responded by having his lawyers bring an emergency judicial review application <laughs> seeking to strike down the summons. And he might have some success uh, because of some peculiarities in the law with respect to the jurisdiction of a federal inquiry to compel uh, and subpoena a sitting provincial politician. But aside from that, you have to say to yourself, well, what's he got to hide? Mm -hmm. You know, what's he afraid of exactly? Uh, I mean, none of the uh, uh, those involved in the protests that I know uh, who are being asked to testify, including myself, we we're not we're we're sleeping fine at night. We we know uh, that we've got nothing to hide. Mm -hmm. uh, what is it that he knows that he doesn't want to come out? So very mm -hmm. very perplexing, um, concerning, and it will be even more concerning if he's successful in preventing. Mm -hmm. Uh, the the subpoena from being effective and 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 able to escape uh, mm -hmm. being examined and cross examined under oath in this inquiry. Yeah. Well, in terms of transparency, you know, we know Doug Ford is not the most transparent premier at all. He blocks our Rebel News reporter David Menzies from all of his events, even though he used to come in our on our Rebel Live event. Uh, I don't know if you're able to touch on it, but what do you expect? What 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 do you expect to press Doug Ford on? What do you want to see the lawyers press him on when he comes on the stand? Well. Um... I think some of the things that he would be pressed on would be questions relating to um, the powers that he had at his disposal uh, mm -hmm. under the Provincial Emergencies Act right. and the sufficiency of those. Um, uh, another would be why he sort of hid from this issue. Uh, he didn't, you know, uh, you've pointed out how many press conferences to Mara Leach and media statements she did. Uh, and the premier was, uh, uh, you know, missing in action. So uh, I, I think those are a couple of things that uh, could be pursued if he uh, is eventually required to testify. Yeah, no, it'll definitely be interesting. See, I, I really do hope that Doug Ford actually comes on the stand and testified. All right, we're already past our time. Do we have any chats, Olivia, that we can read on the screen? All right, so the first one. I like to think that Catherine McKenney's testimony had a small part to play in her election loss. I promise I won't misgender her, William. <laughs> be careful, you're, 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 you might be banned from from the internet with Bill C-11. <laughs> Do you know who Catherine McKenney is? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, that's right. Well, you, you were in the room. Yeah, you've heard a little bit. Yeah, honestly, my plans on moving to Alberta, to the great province of Alberta, have been delayed now that Mark Stutcliffe is elected. I can assure you that if Catherine McKenney had been elected uh, mayor of Ottawa, I would most probably move to Alberta in the next next few months, next few years. But um, yeah, no, it's great to see someone other than this woman, uh, sorry, this, this individual be elected as mayor of, of, of the city. Yeah. Well, I, I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if her testimony and, and the publicity around it and her hot mic moment, you know, like the, you know, she was that's running right. on a campaign of transparency <laughs> and she gets caught in a public inquiry that's live streamed 
poaching a witness. Yeah. I mean, wow, that's the antithesis of transparency. Yeah. That's called manipulation. <laughs> so, um, yeah. uh, I, I, you know, and, and the internet, uh, uh, well, she had to, she had to issue a statement about it. She felt she did. She did mm -hmm. a video about it. Yeah. She tried to walk it back. She issued some threats. So, um, you know, it's, uh, it underscores the importance of this media. Mm -hmm. You know, we, this is the way we reach people now. Um, we know we can't rely on the captured legacy media that is always seeking to please its paymaster, the Trudeau government. Yeah. And, uh, we, we need to rely on, on these forms of communication to get mm -hmm. to truth and examine issues in and, a full way. And, and you said transparency. That's the same woman that when I asked her to state her position on the value of freedom of speech in Canada, wouldn't give me an answer. <laughs> She wouldn't give me an answer on what her position is on freedom of speech, which is, which is one of the basic rights that we have as canadians so no i'm truly glad that she wasn't uh, elected we went to the bar after the election night uh us and everyone do we have another another chat that we can read oh perfect well that's Mia, Mia, i have really a challenging question for you um keith um mm -hmm. what will be the consequences if they find out the emergencies act was not necessary what will happen so uh i get that question a, a lot mm -hmm. and <laughs> i need to say two things about it first of all if anybody's been involved in a lawsuit or any kind of legal process it's not often the decision at the end that crushes you it's the process mm -hmm. it's the process that you go through so what we're witnessing right now Uh, you know, I, I warned everybody, uh, all of the clients and the, the leaders of, of, of the, of the freedom movement that we're going to have a really tough two months that we're just going to get beat up every day. It's going to look like the world's against us. We're going to be smeared and lied about. I never, ever thought it was going to go as well as it's yeah, going. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, really didn't. The number of times we've all looked at one another and said, well, mm -hmm. I guess we're off to the airport. Time to go home. You know, after one of their witnesses <laughs> reveals something. Uh, and of course, we're not going anywhere. We're going to see this through to its conclusion. But part of what's happening right now is um even some of the left-wing press is coming out against mm -hmm. the government and uh it's it's a drip 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 of the truth and so so one of the consequences the consequence of the process another is it is true that when justice rouleau issues his report mm -hmm. in february that if he concludes that the invocation was not justified It doesn't mean that Justin Trudeau pays a fine. It doesn't mean that he goes to jail. Um, the expectation of the legislation is there'll be a political consequence. Yeah. In any other situation, one would expect the leader of the party that invoked it and its cabinet to resign, to do the <laughs> honorable <true>. thing. <laughs> Now, that requires people of integrity. And I don't need to finish the sentence there because you can fill it out yourself. Um, so... The the best that we can hope for, hope for is that more and more Canadians, like the number of people that have tacked me on Twitter saying there was no deal, there was no deal to move the trucks. Well, what, 102 trucks just magically moved? 
all these notes <laughs> in the superintendent's things about truck movements. They, what are they lying? So even the naysayers are, are having to admit the truth about what really happened mm-hmm. during the protests. And it's so counter to the, the legacy captured media's narrative and the propaganda that they were pushing. Um, you know, Solzhenitsyn, who helped bring down the Soviet Union, did it by always staying honest to the truth. Mm-hmm. You know, that expression about as time went on, I can't do the whole thing, but it's uh, um, uh, we knew they were lying. They knew they were lying. We knew that they knew that we knew they were, you know, et cetera. She's yeah. going through all these permutations. Yeah, I and I think we're going down that road right now where pe- more and more people mm-hmm. are realizing the government was lying. Yeah. No, that's, that's what's great about the, the emergencies act inquiry. 100%. It'll be very great to see the, the outcome of that. Well, mm-hmm. thank you to everyone for joining us. I know we're already 10 minutes past our, uh, at the time that we we're supposed to end. Thank you, Alexa, for working so hard and being on the live stream tonight. Thank you for joining us once again. Keith, thank you. And being able to wear a tie properly with a proper dress. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again to everyone for joining us and I'll see you tomorrow. to that first email that we saw, you were the one who was provided with this information, right? That Mr. Morazzo wanted to meet with a city official. Yes, from John Ferguson, Staff Sergeant John Ferguson. Okay. And so this was a sort of, you know, if if he's able to meet with a city official, then he will attempt to negotiate movement of trucks out of the Rideau and Sussex Sussex area. Is that essentially I don't know if it was necessarily defined at that point as Rideau and Sussex, but he, the request was to meet with a city official in exchange to try to help move some trucks out of the area. Okay, and in the witness summary that we just looked at, you provided a bit more background and you said that moving these trucks was being considered because there was space available on Wellington. Yes. Is that right? Yes. Okay, uh, and why did you understand the protesters at Rideau and Sussex wanting to move to uh, the Wellington area? They wanted to be closer to Parliament Hill. And it also, from our perspective, would have helped shrink the footprint and open up that road. And why was that important to open up that road? It's a main artery in the city of Ottawa at Rideau and Sussex. Uh, It's the main access. It's a bus route. It's emergency access for emergency vehicles. It's access to the Rideau Centre. It was a main area that we wanted to try to get opened up. Uh, but equally, there were lots of other areas we wanted to get opened up as well. Our, our goal was to try to help the move, um, and by reducing the footprint, that would also help us. And is it fair to say that this move would have been seen as helpful to OPS? Yes. I mean, ultimately, we wanted people to leave and to vacate those roads, period. But in the meantime, as part of a negotiation strategy to try to reduce the footprint, yes, we were interested in moving them.